It's time once again. I hope you guys are ready. I've been waiting for you since Thursday night. This particular message I think is necessary. I think it's needed. I think we're going to unpack and dissect one of the most important questions throughout all of eternity, and that is, how do I discover my purpose? So I'm excited. I believe tonight is going to be absolutely awesome. Go ahead and share the link with somebody. Let them know that, hey, it is time. It is time. I need you to come a part of this World War Me series. We are in lesson number 11. Lesson number 11 in this series, and I believe tonight is going to be absolutely powerful. So go ahead and take your screenshot, tag us, let us know where you are in the world and how this World War Me series is blessing your life. Every week I get a DM, I get tons of emails, tons of mentions and tags, and so I'm so grateful for all of the love, all of the support, and how this word is just touching your soul. How it's touching your soul. I did high note. So, so let's get to work. This may be a different passage of scripture depending on where you are in your Christian journey, but um, I think this is the most appropriate passage of scripture for us to go to as we dissect the conversation of purpose. So let's go to Ecclesiastics. Um, we're going to launch our reading at chapter 3. Ecclesiastics chapter 3. We're going to start at verse 1. And it starts off by saying, To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing. Sound like 2020, right? <laughs> a time to gain and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sue, a time to keep silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace, what profit has the worker from that in which he labors? I have seen the God-given task with which the son of men are to be occupied. A clause of concern. And the verse that I feel is going to serve us well on tonight lives and takes residence in verse 10. I have seen the God-given task task with which the sons of men are to be occupied. God, you're marvelous. Thank you for this time of coming together to be able to dig and dive deeper in your text so that we could understand why it is that you made us. What is it that you want us to do in our life? And I pray, oh God, that you anoint my lips to be the PA system of heaven so that this question that many of us have been asking why am I here? Why am I here? What am I supposed to do? I pray, oh God, that, it, that, that this message will serve them well. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody who agrees with that prayer, would you drop the comment in the room? Amen. Amen. I have seen there is a God-given task with which men are to be occupied. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, and everybody who has decided to join me on tonight, I firmly feel as, that, as though we are unpacking and dissecting one of the most important questions, dialogues, conversations, and discussions that we can have throughout all eternity. And that question is, how do I discover my purpose? How do I discover my purpose? What, what is my assignment? What is my life assignment? Why am I here? What is my calling? What am I supposed to do? Why am I here? And why is this happening? And what does God want me to do? And should I do this? Is God calling me to that? Can I do this? Should I not do this? And I'm going to just be honest. I'm going to be open, honest, and transparent because nobody's ever going to be able to charge me of being guilty of ministerial malpractice. <laughs> Nobody's ever going to be able to say Jerry Flowers was up there prophesying. I don't have a word. 
God has not given me a word. I'm not going to grab my phone, open up the comments, scroll through, and say, okay, um, Ashley underscore 1913. God told me to tell you that you're going to be an author. That is your assignment. You're going to be an author, and it's going to be a New York bestseller. It's going to be in over 39 countries. It's going to touch the world. That may be your goal, but God hasn't <laughs> told me anything like that. So I'm relieved of the pressure of you coming on here watching this message with the intent to find out what your purpose is. I feel as though my assignment and what God is directing for me to do on tonight is to hand you a spiritual map. Is to hand you a spiritual map that's going to provide you with hints, clues, and a pathway so that you can find out with your shovel, this is the place that I should be digging so that I could discover the treasure chest of my purpose. I'm not going to tell you what your purpose is, but I am going to provide you with the map so that you can know where to dig, so that you can identify the treasure chest of your purpose. Because like the author of Ecclesiastics tells us, like Solomon tells us, there is a God-given task. There is a God-given task that which you should be occupied with while you're here. There is a God-given task that which Jerry is supposed to be occupied with while we're here. Maybe this is how we get occupation. There is a kingdom occupation that God saw fit for you to be here because there is something in the earth that you're called to do. There is a kingdom occupation that God saw fit for me to be occupied with so that I could do what heaven needs for me to do. Somebody say occupation. Occupation, that there is something that I'm supposed to do while I'm here. And I think the problem is a lot of us are occupied. We're just occupied with the wrong thing. We're occupied, but we're occupied with the wrong thing. And therefore, I believe one of the most tragic and the most hurtful incident in our, in our whole eternity is for there to be graveyards filled with people who never occupied the reason why they're here. People here on earth, 15 years, 30 years, 78 years, 102 years, and never have engaged in what they're supposed to be occupied with. We're occupied with a whole lot of stuff. We're occupied with drama, occupied with unaddressed trauma, occupied with side chicks, occupied with parasitic relationships, occupied with alcohol and occupied with weed. Some of us are occupied with Hulu and occupied with Netflix. You say you can't finish a Bible reading plan, but you just finished season one through four on Netflix. It's not as though I'm coming out already. It's not as though you don't have time. It's just that we're occupied with the wrong Things. We're occupied with everything except our God-given task. And if this be true, if it is true that you and I have a God-given occupation, that there's something that God has put in our soul for us to be occupied with, this redefines and flips the spectrum on what failure really is. This changes everything because now I can say Failure is when I succeed the most in what matters the least. Success is when I'm occupied doing that God-given task that I'm supposed to do. I need to say that again. Failure is when I succeed the most in what matters the least. And true success is when I'm occupied doing the God-given task that he gave me. See, a lot of us think we're failures. And a lot of us think we're failing because we're going off the culture's definition of failure. And so we've allowed the culture's definition of failure to become our belief system. So you say things as though like, I fear failure. Well, you should fear being successful culturally. Because usually what is success to culture is failure to kingdom. And what is successful to kingdom is failure to culture. See, if you are killing it right now where you are as a parent and you are raising up your child in the way that they should go so that when they're old, they won't depart from it, ma'am, you are successful. Sir, you are successful because you're being occupied with the very thing that God has given for you to be occupied with. If God has given you a gift, he gave you a gift and a talent and you are trying to write that book, you're trying to record that song, 
Or you feel as though God is calling you to be an attorney or to practice medicine because the Lord knows we need more spirit-filled doctors and more spirit-filled attorneys. If this is what God is calling you to do, who cares if nobody knows your name? Who cares if nobody knows your law firm? Who cares if don't nobody know that you practice? Heaven knows your name. And if you're doing the very thing that is your God-given task and you are occupied with it, you, my brother, and you, ma'am, are successful. If you are loving your wife the way that the Lord wants you to love your spouse, you are successful. So this means I could be free from the weight of being fearful of failure because maybe that was never really success in the first place. And I wonder, are you looking to the culture to view yourself as successful versus you trying to discover what is my God-given occupation? What is my God-given occupation? You working out because you recognize that your body is a temple? (laughs) You are being successful in this particular area. Success in the kingdom is defined differently. So I just feel it's necessary as we start this particular message for part 11, we're discussing how do I discover my purpose? How do I discover my purpose? My purpose. So let's get to work. Here we go. First thing, before we can ever discover our purpose, we have to understand what is purpose. Purpose is your divine DNA. Purpose is the reason God saw fit for your birth. Let's go a little bit deeper. Purpose is when God looked in the earth. He looked at your family tree. He looked at your bloodline. He looked at your generation. He looked at your community. He looked at where you would go to school. He looked at where you would work at. He looked at where your children would go to school. He looked at where your children would work at, and he saw a problem. He saw in the sphere of your influence, there is a particular problem. So what God did is then he puts a problem-solving anointing in your bosom. He puts a problem-solving anointing in your soul so that before you were ever born, please listen, before you were ever born, Before your mama ever thought your daddy was cute or however the process was to get you here in the earth, before your mother heard push, push, push because she's in labor with you or before she had the C-section, before she took the pregnancy test, before she ever discovered that she was pregnant, God knew you. God knew you and he knew that it is imperative for you to be in the universe at a time such as this. It is critical for you to be here right now. It is necessary for you to be listening to this message right now. It is important that they come in time right now because I am a God of purposefulness. Everything God does is for a purpose because he's the God of purposefulness. So when God does something, it's because he's doing something on purpose. And when God does nothing, it's because he's doing nothing on purpose. But since we serve a God who is progressive, since we serve the God of acceleration, not speed, since we serve the God of acceleration, even in the times and in the seasons of our life, when we feel as though God is doing nothing, it's because God is doing something. Because every single operation that God does is with the purpose. There's no cosmic collision. There's no big bang. There is no accident. It is all for a purpose. Somebody say purpose. It is all for a purpose. Nothing catches him off guard. Like you finding out their true colors might have been a shock to you. But God knew the color that was on the paintbrush before the painting was ever drawn. (laughs) Before the painting was ever painted, God already knew what was on the paintbrush. You might have been shocked what you found out. But God's all-seeing eye is everywhere beholding the evil and the good. You might have been a surprise to your parents, but to God, you were right on time. And you're here on purpose. What is purpose? It is God being able to identify there's a problem that they're supposed to fix. And before you and I ever got here, God knew you. And I can't make the erroneous assumption that we're all in the same place in our faith. So I want to show you Bible. I want to give you Bible. Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. It may be familiar for some of us, but I want to try to break this down. 
Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, it says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Somebody say, I'm known. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nation. This is so good. God is saying, listen, you have been ordained for a work. You have been ordained for an assignment. You have been ordained for a mission. You have been ordained for a people. You have been ordained for a season. You have been ordained for a time. Holy Spirit, encourage your people. Can I get somebody to drop the comment? I've been ordained. I've been ordained. The reason I want you to drop this comment is because some of us feel as though your life is meaningless and you have been entertaining suicidal thoughts and the enemy's trying to make you think that you have no purpose and you have no significance. The devil is a liar. Before you ever got here, there was an ordination ceremony with you and God in heaven and you have been ordained for a work. You have been ordained for a task. What does it mean to be ordained? To be ordained means you have been authorized. Preach Holy Spirit. You have been authorized for your God-given assignment. You have authority. So whatever it is that you're supposed to do, God has given you an authority to it. So when you preach, you don't just preach, but you preach with an authority. Not with bossing people, but there's an authority in the spirit realm. And it manifests itself in the natural because you have been ordained to be a preacher. And so therefore you have authority. If you're a worshiper, when you worship, you don't just worship. You have an authority when you worship. The atmosphere changes when you worship. Hell gets nervous when you worship. Demons get terrified when you worship. Demons have got to go when you worship. Depression has got to leave when you worship. Anxiety has got to leave when you worship. Why? Because this is an area of your authority. If you are a teacher in a school, if you have been ordained to do it, there's just an authority. You know there were certain teachers you know better to mess around in his class or her class. Why? Because they just had an authority. There was just an ordination on their life to be able to teach something. You have an authority. So whatever your assignment is, it's going to be somewhere in your life where you have a God-given authority. You're not going to have to demand it. You're not going to have to ask people to give it. It's just an authority when you do it. One more time, can somebody say, I've been ordained? Ordained, it means to be authorized. I'll give you more Bible. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, it says, For I know the plans... I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Purpose. Purpose is when God looked in the earth, saw your family, your family tree, your bloodline, your generation, the community that you would live in, the schools that you would go to. He saw your sphere of influence and he said, okay, there's a problem here. So I'm going to put this problem-solving task in them so that when they're born, they can solve this problem. God, this is so good, y'all. I wish I had this. I wish I had this when I was growing up. Listen, when you are engaged in purpose, purpose solves problems. Purpose solves problems. Purpose is a fixer. The purpose of these lights shining on me right now is to solve a darkness problem. The purpose of your cell phone is to solve a distance problem. You wouldn't be hearing this message if it wasn't for your phone, for your iPad, for your laptop, for your computer. If it was not for some technology formed device, you wouldn't be able to engage in this message because this device is supposed to remove the problem of distance. The, pers the purpose of your glasses are to remove a sight problem. Purpose removes problems. Hmm. Purpose removes problems. Peradventure, maybe this is why our world is filled with so many problems because we have so many people who are engaged in purpose. If purpose solves problems, maybe the reason we have so many problems in the earth is because we have a whole lot of people who are existing 
but they're not living. You're living when you are occupied by your God-ordained task and assignment. I'm trying to help somebody on the night. Purpose. Purpose solves problems. I have been called by God, and I'm ordained to fix a problem in my community. Somebody watching this, you have been ordained to fix a problem in the school system. Somebody else watching this, you have been ordained to fix a problem in the church. Somebody else watching this, you have been ordained to fix a problem in your bloodline. And I stated this before, but I have to say it again. One of the signs that you have been marked, one of the signs that you have been ordained to deliver is when trauma arrives in childhood. Please hear me. Listen, God always places a deliverer in a bloodline. I don't know who this is for. God always places somebody who has been ordained in the bloodline. We see this with Moses. Moses was ordained to deliver his people. So what did the enemy do? He influenced Pharaoh to commit genocide, kill all two-year-old male babies, because I never want that purpose. I never want that individual who has been ordained to solve a problem to walk into maturity. Same thing with Jesus. I'm going to influence Herod to kill all two-year-old male babies because I have heard there is somebody who is going to solve a problem. There is somebody who has been ordained to free a people, and I never want them to reach maturity. And the reason the enemy hits us so hard before puberty ever strikes the alarm clock of our anatomy, the reason the enemy hits us so hard as we're developing is because he fears if you ever reach maturity. If you ever reach maturity, you're going to become a problem for me. So if I can get them so caught up with their problems, they'll never become my problem. And I don't want them to reach maturity. But I'm trying to preach to somebody on tonight. If we can get you to start thinking with maturity, if we can get you to start making choices with maturity, if we can get you to start responding with maturity, if we can get you to start communicating with maturity, if you can start living your life from a mature basis, then the enemy will be terrified because I never want them to reach their mature state. I never want them to reach their mature state. This means your birthday has significance. Your birthday has significance for two reasons. Number one, it is a reminder that you are on the clock. It is a reminder that you are on the clock and there's a God-given task that you have to be occupied with and you must fulfill while you're here. And number two, your birthday, don't ever let somebody make you not celebrate your birthday. Don't view this as, oh, it's just another day. I'm just, you know, 28 years old now. I'm just 36. Oh, it's just any other day. No, it's not. In the heavens, this is the day a problem solver was born. To hell, this is the day a problem was born. You're calling it a birthday. Heaven calls it a problem-solving day. You're calling it a birthday. Hell calls it a problem day. So you don't minimize the importance of your birth. When you were born, it's because God said it is time. It is time. There's a time for everything under the sun. And it is time for this problem-solver to be born. God, I hope y'all are getting this. This is so good. This is so good. He never wants us to reach maturity. This is why, man of God, you've been under attack. Because you're a solver and you're a seed carrier. You're a solver and you're a seed carrier. And if I can get you to be so occupied with the drugs, if I can get you to be so occupied with sports, if I can get you to be so occupied with what culture's saying, and if you don't know who you are, then this means I can send you Delilah after Delilah. Because I know a man that does not know who he is will spill his seed in hazardous wombs. He will spill his seed in hazardous wombs. How do I know it's hazardous? It's because it is not conducive. It is not necessary for my God-given assignment. You are a solver with the womb. You are the vessel in the earth that has been wired to birth things. You are the only only species in the earth that has been wired to conceive, to carry, to birth, and to nurse. So he knows if I can impregnate them with my will, though, if I can impregnate them with my distractions, if I can impregnate them with my agenda, they'll give birth to problems versus their birth being a problem. Did y'all hear what I just said? 
If I can get them so caught up and impregnate them with my will, they'll give birth to problems versus their birth being a problem. This is why when sister so-and-so walks in the room, a problem always shows up. Y'all know who I'm talking about. Every time they show up, they birth problems. So if I can get them to be confused on who they are, maybe I could use them for my agenda. Trauma and anxiety has a way of disconnecting ourselves from ourselves, which is why I'm giving you this message so that it can be your spiritual map so that you can find your way home. Find your way home because there's a purpose that I'm supposed to solve. What is purpose? Purpose is the reason why you're born. It is your life's target. Listen, please listen. It is your life's target. It is your life's bullseye. Therefore, if I don't know my purpose, I'm going to live life aimlessly. This is so good. If purpose is my target, if I don't know my purpose, I'm going to live life aimlessly. And when I live life aimlessly, bystanders get hit. Bystanders get hit with me shooting at the wrong target. This is why that relationship hit different. This is why what happened at that church hit different. Because I was a bystander by somebody who wasn't aiming at the right target. And sometimes we get so hurt because we're expecting people to love us really in a way that you're supposed to love yourself. Purpose is my life target. And if I don't understand my purpose, I'll abuse it. Listen, whenever you don't understand the purpose of a thing, you'll always abuse it. Prime example, I was putting these posters up and this mirror in my garage. So I have my hammer and, you know, I'm hammering in the garage because I'm trying to get this mirror to be straight. I want it to be perfect. And so back then, my son was like three, three years old. He's a fresh three. Three years old, he comes and he grabs daddy's flashlight. So I'm sitting here hammering these nails to hang this mirror up. He grabs the flashlight, and he's hammering too. <laughs> I'm like, I say, hey, no, 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 no. You don't want to hammer with that. You're going to break it. No, I'm, I'm trying to hammer like daddy. I said, no, you don't want to do that. I said, I'm trying to hammer like daddy. He starts getting all upset. I'm like, yo, that's, that's not a hammer. That's a flashlight. Because when you don't know the purpose of a thing, you'll misuse. Y'all miss what I'm saying. When you don't know the purpose of a thing, you'll misuse it. This is why it is so good to be surrounded by people who are in purpose because they can point out to you you're using this for the wrong purpose. If we had more kingdom men who knew who they were, we could tell other men, hey, the purpose of your private part is not to sleep with multiple women. The purpose of that is to be for your wife, reproduction, and release waste. That is the purpose of it. But if you don't know the purpose of it, you'll abuse it. And a lot of us have abused hearts because we don't know the purpose. If we have some more purposeful women, they can inform other young women the purpose of your body is not to lay down with man after man after man or now woman after woman after woman. The purpose of your body is to house the Holy Ghost until God gives you a kingdom man. If that is a part of your purpose and then you will be a mother to children, that is your body's purpose. But if we don't know the purpose of a thing, we'll always abuse it. We'll be like a three-year-old, frustrated, is it performing in the same way his hammer is performing because I'm trying to make this be something that it's not. Purpose, if you don't know the purpose of a thing, you'll always abuse it. And the beauty of being surrounded by people who are in purpose is because my wisdom could be your scholarship. Listen, listen. Wisdom can literally take years off the process. And so if I'm hanging around people who have been through something, and if I'm hanging around people who are occupied with their God-ordained purpose, I get to be able to go to a college and their wisdom pays the tuition. This is so good, y'all. What is purpose? So now the question is, why purpose? Why did God give everybody a purpose? First thing I want you to know is purpose gives you unexplainable fulfillment. I feel as though I have a broad vocabulary and I think I'm pretty decent with words, but there are not, a, not enough words in the English language 
for me to be able to articulate how it feels when you are walking around each and every day, when you wake up every single morning occupied with why you were born. When you're walking around doing what God created for you to do, there's just a different type of vibe you get. I was okay at basketball. I'm not too prideful to admit it because, you know, some dudes think they cold at every sport. <laughs> I'm not too prideful to admit I was okay at basketball. I was okay at football. I was okay at boxing. But it was just something about when I had a mic in my hand. It, it, it was just something about when I had a mic around my head where my voice could be amplified. It was just something about when I was on the debate team. It was just something about when I would give a speech. It was just something about when I would use my voice that I just had a little authority with it. It's not an arrogance. It is you have been ordained to lift your voice for a time such as this. So you could try to do this and you could try to do that. But you know where your divine sweet spot is? It's your voice. When you walk around understanding why God has put you here, you have a level of fulfillment that I can hardly articulate. It's just I'm here and I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, why I'm here. And I walk around with confidence, free from stress, because I know I'm in my occupation that was given to me by the kingdom. Number two, this is so good, purpose helps you to decipher. Purpose, listen, y'all, this is why a lot of us keep giving into all these distractions and counterfeits. Well, I thought that this was it. I thought he was like this. He seemed so different. She seemed so down, bro. She just, you know, she came off like she, was, like she was with it. She just was different. Purpose helps you decipher. This is not conducive um, for my occupation. So she could be fine, have more curves in the highway, look good, be my type and everything. But if she does not compliment my assignment, if she does not compliment my God-given occupation, you may look good, but you're somebody else's. Next, if he is fine and you think this man is gorgeous, but if you know your occupation, if you know what heaven has employed you to do and you understand your God-given task, you could identify he may be attractive, but he is not conducive for my purpose because purpose helps you decipher purpose helps you be able to identify I don't need to spend this amount of money on this because it is not a compliment for my occupation I don't need this right now what's better for me to do right now is invest in this class that helps me enroll in my gift that helps me be enrolled in something that maximizes my gift I'm gonna make choices that are conducive to my purpose because purpose helps you decide Purpose helps you decipher. Listen, y'all, when I actually had this God collision encounter and I knew who I was for real, not like for fake for fake, but like for real for real, at 19 years old, I was at a youth institute in Maryland and I really, really met Jesus for real. I don't know if y'all had that moment where like this one was different. This one was like, I'm breaking up all my secular music. This one's like context deleted. This one's like porn gotta go. This one's like, I'm reaching out to people who I knew were telling me things all along, but I didn't want to listen. I'm ready to be disciple now. This one was different. And I begin to notice in our troops, we were broken off in troops. I begin to notice how people were kind of like listening to me. I didn't really know why. I would just give a suggestion and I was confident in it. And I was able to notice that they were like, yeah, I think that sounds like a good idea. And right then, right there, I recognized, hey, man, God has given you a gift of leadership. He's given you a gift of leadership. So I came back home to Houston, and I told my parents, I said, hey, I want to start a student ministry. I don't know what I'm doing. I just know I got something to say. <laughs> I just know I have something to say. And then watch this. I was a pre-med major. When I met Jesus, I then began to decipher. I could keep doing pre-med, but if I'm going to be a pastor, if I'm going to be a preacher, a speaker, I need to know how to talk. <laughs> I need to be able to have some skills with my articulation. So I dropped uh, pre-med and I switched my major to communications and psychology. It was pre-med and biology. I'm not saying I couldn't have gone ahead and did that, but at that moment in my life, I began to ask myself, which one would possibly be more conducive for my God-given occupation? If I'm going to be talking a lot, I need to have some skills. 
I need to be trained on how to reach people because I want to be able to speak to the theologian where you know every single book in the Bible. And then I also want to be able to reach the dude who's been on the street his whole life and he don't know nothing about the Bible. And then I also want to reach the person who is on the fence and they know some Bible, they know some things about Jesus, but they're not fully convinced. And then I also want to be able to reach the agnostic and the atheist who believes my faith is foolish. I want to be educated. And then I want to know how the mind works so I can understand how trauma shapes personalities. I want to be able to understand and know how there are some postpartum things that can happen. And there's some things that can happen in your life that shapes the way people think. I want to know how the mind works so if I'm going to speak, I can not just speak to your heart, but I can also speak to your logic. I want to be educated at that time. Back in 2006, I was able to discern since I encountered purpose, I need to make choices that make my purpose stronger. Because purpose helps you to decipher. Look at this. Um, Number three, purpose is connected to your provision. (laughs) Purpose is connected to your provision. Whatever God has ordained for you to do and what you're supposed to be occupied with, it's going to bring some sense of income. Some sense of income. I'm going to prove this. Look at this. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 16, it says, A man's gift makes room for him. Somebody say room. It makes room for him and brings him before great men. God is saying there's a gift on the inside of you and it will make room for you. It will make financial room for you. It will make opportunity room for you. It will make abundance room for you. But here's the thing, you got to have character because your gift will make room, but your character makes residence. And I need you to have the gift, but then also have the character where you can last, the character where you can honor people, the character where you can be humble. Yes, your gift will make room, but I need you to have some character and integrity and some discipline. What if I told you that God's system to wealth, God's system for wealth was to come through inheritance, gifting, calling, giving, and skilled work. God didn't expect us to get rich by slanging drugs and gangbanging. That was not God's original intent. His original intent for us to experience wealth was through inheritance, gifting, calling, giving, and skilled work. And the reason a lot of us struggle, if I just be honest and real, is because we inherited debt. We didn't experience an inheritance of wealth. Y'all don't want to talk to me. It's true. The reason a lot of us are struggling is because this principle of a wise man leaves an inheritance for his children's children was not implemented in my bloodline. And God said, listen, I want you to be wise right now. See, when you understand your purpose, I was having this conversation with my wife. I said, I'm thinking about my unborn grandson and my son is four. I'm thinking about my daughter's wedding and I hope Jesus come back before she gets married because I don't want to deal with no dudes. (laughs) but I want to be in a financial place where I can take care of her wedding, send them off to college, and then have something for my unborn grandchildren. And my daughter is six and my son is four because a kingdom man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. A kingdom woman leaves an inheritance. This is how God intended for us to have wealth. You're gifting as well. You're calling as well. Giving as well. Give and it shall be given unto you. Press down, shaking together, and running over for the measure you use, that same measure will be given to you. I got to keep moving because I'm running out of time. I was going to show you this picture, but I don't want to show it to you. I want to go to hop all the way down to the most important part, I believe, of this message. So how? Jerry, you told me what is purpose? Why purpose? But I'm stuck on the how, bro. How do I discover purpose? So now I'm going to give you the spiritual map. The first thing, what is your passion? What is your passion? Because passion is married to purpose. Please hear me. Passion is married to purpose. I'm going to give you an illustration biblically and then practically. Jesus, when he walked into the church and he saw them selling all this stuff, he got upset flipped over the money chambers, money tables, and was like, listen, this is supposed to be my father's house, 
and you guys are making it a den of thieves. This is supposed to be a house of prayer, okay? So Jesus is passionate right now. The disciples are probably like, oh, my God, he just really turned up. He's extremely passionate, flipping over tables. He says, this is supposed to be a house of prayer. What is prayer? Prayer is communion with God. It is our connection with God. What is Jesus' purpose? Jesus' purpose when he was here on earth was to teach us kingdom living. This is why he constantly kept saying the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. He was to teach us kingdom living and to die on the cross so that we could, look at this, be connected to God the Father. It's no longer creator to created. It is now Father to son. I could call him Abba. Look how this is connecting. He walks in the sanctuary. He gets upset. He says, this is supposed to be a house of prayer. What is prayer? It is the way we connect to God. What was Jesus' purpose? To die on the cross so that we could be connected to God. Passion is married to purpose. If you could discover what you're passionate about. Like I was always passionate about being a rebel. I was never, like peer pressure didn't phase me. I was that dude, when I saw people being pressured to do stuff, I was like, bro, you ain't got to do that. You ain't got to do that. If you don't want to do that, you don't have to. During homecoming week, yeah, you're supposed to wear this. I don't want to do it. I just was that natural rebel towards culture. I had no idea that was a part of my purpose. And God was raising me, so he said, listen, I want you to be a rebel to culture. And everything that they think is normal and cool, I'm going to ordain for you to be a preacher so that you could tell them we rebel against that. Everybody being unfaithful to their wife, we're going to rebel against that. Nobody's reading the Bible, we're going to rebel against that. Everybody doesn't believe in modesty, we're going to rebel against that. Nobody believes in fasting, that's old school, we're going to rebel against that. Nobody believes in the miraculous and casting out demons and seeing the power of God, we're going to rebel against that. Everything that is cool to culture, I'm going to rebel against it was passionate about it, and it revealed my purpose. And I hear you. Somebody's like, okay, well, I'm in trouble then, Jay, because I ain't got no passion. <laughs> I'm not passionate. If you only knew what I went through, how could I be passionate? Look at 2020. Kobe passed away. Black Panther passed away. My parents passed away. I got laid off. What can I be passionate about? Now it makes sense to me. Why the enemy hits us so hard? Because he knows if I could take their passion, I'll take away their lens to discover their purpose. Because passion is tied to purpose. So if I could have you experience pain after pain after pain after pain after pain, if I could rob you of passion, you will no longer have a spiritual map that gets you to start to quest for what your purpose is. But this is the beautiful thing about God. He says all things work together. So look at this, Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, verse 28, it says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his, uh-oh, purpose. Hmm, what if I told you that even your mistakes are a part of the journey? What if I told you that your Ishmael mistake doesn't disqualify you from your Isaac promise? What if I told you that even though you went through a pig's pen, it doesn't mean you can't go back to the father's house. You serve a type of God, I don't care what you did, just come home. That's the type, type of God you and I serve. And I want to show you something. Look at this to give you some perspective. This is my nephew's little bow and arrow, okay? So what we don't recognize is all of the pain. And all of the hits, all of the setbacks, all of, that, all of the digression is for your purposes, progression. See, if I live a life and nothing hits me and nothing knocks me back, I won't have enough strength to go forward in purpose. If I go through something in my life and it really doesn't phase me, I'm not going to have something that pulls me and pushes me to want to launch forward. Oh, but if you've been through abuse, somebody lied on you, somebody betrayed you, somebody took the unfair advantage of you, all of these things in your life that pulled you all the way back for digression is giving you the opportunity, I almost hit you too, bro. <laughs> it gives you an opportunity to experience acceleration. What if all the stuff that you've gone through and all the things in your life that you feel as though are pulling you back is actually putting you in a place to launch you forward? 
And you wouldn't be able to launch forward if you didn't go through nothing. See, all of us are saying, I don't want trouble, and this is your purpose, a life of no trouble, you're not going nowhere. A life with no, with no storms, you're not going anywhere. A life with no trials, you're not going anywhere. But if I could get you to have a life where you have hit after hit, trial after trial, all things work together. All things work together, and that's going to pull you back and push you back so that God can launch you forward. All of it works together. Somebody say passion. Passion. Next, how do we discover our purpose? I have to discover my gifts and my strengths. A lot of us beat ourselves so much that we magnify our weaknesses and we minimize our strengths. Wherever you're naturally good at, I'm talking about the thing that you do easy that is hard for people to do. It could be in sports. You can have a gift for athleticism. If God has gifted you to have some athletic ability, I think of somebody like Steph Curry. God has given you the ability to be extremely gifted, and then on top of that, you worked hard. You're spending six, seven hours training and beating your craft. I think that's the problem, especially with Christians. We have gifts, but we don't want to master it. I'm like, why, why are a lot of these Christian movies so cheesy? Get somebody who has mastered it. The Bible has a lot of dope stories. Get somebody who has mastered this skill. If you are going to be a speaker, try to master it. If you're going to be a singer, try to master it. If you're going to be a mechanic, try to master it. If you're going to be a lawyer, try to master it. Don't just try to be good. Good is the enemy of great. Master it. And if you master that gift, Spend six, seven hours. What your gift and your strength has done is given you a platform. And so now God is giving you the ability to use your gift and athleticism to have a platform so now you can represent him. So if everybody wants to be like Steph Curry and you representing and saying, I could do all things to Christ who strengthens me on your shoe, then other people may start to look up what it is that he believes in. What is that statement? When Tim Tebow used to play football and he used to put on his things, John 3, 16, I'm using my platform to give God glory. Your gift and your strengths are also called to create a platform. That's what the following is for. That's why people watch your videos, not because you're so cool, you're so fly. If you're arrogant, God can humble you quickly. But if you begin to recognize this is not even my platform, these are not even my followers. These are people that God are, is using for me to inspire so that they can be kingdom. And as soon as I get arrogant and I think that I'm the stuff, God always has a ram in the bush gifts and strengths number three third way you can discover your purpose is I have to be in a purpose circle what does that mean I have to be surrounded by people who are in purpose see if something is wrong with my iPhone I don't know how to get this to work I walk in the Apple store I'm now surrounded by people who work for the creator of my device so now, since I'm surrounded by people who have an occupation by the creator, they will begin to tell me, did you know that your iPhone could do this? Did you know if you were to swipe up or swipe down, depending on your phone, it could turn on the light? Did you know that you could talk to your phone and it could do things for you and you don't even have to pick it up? I didn't know that until I hung around people who already were working for the creator of the object that I'm... Man, I hope y'all are getting this. I need to hang around people who are in purpose. See, when you understand the value of your purpose, you start picking friends on purpose. You pick churches on purpose. You'll date on purpose. You'll marry on purpose. You'll begin to work out on purpose. You'll begin to read books on purpose, watch videos on purpose, listen to podcasts on purpose. Everything will be centered around your purpose because now I'm living a life filled with purpose. I have to be in a purpose circle. So this means I have to be in a community of believers. Uh-oh. This means I have to surround myself with other people who have a connection with the creator as well. Because if I'm surrounded by people who know Abba, they could tell me, hey, this is not like Abba. Or they could tell me this is like Abba so that I can make more choices that are conducive for my purpose. Simply put, I need discipleship. And last point, how do I discover my purpose? I have to know the creator. I have to know the creator. It is foolish for you to listen to this message. Take this spiritual map and try to Figure out how could I discover my purpose? 
without ever building a relationship with the person who made you. God made you. Listen, he made you for a purpose, for his purpose. And the reason why a lot of us are living life that we feel are so insignificant is because we're living life free from God's counsel and free from God's involvement. The reason why your marriage is on life support is because marriage is a God-ordained institution. So for marriage to work, God has to be in the institution. You haven't created space for God. You haven't followed God's principles. So no wonder this isn't working because I'm trying to get something to work excluding myself from the presence of the person who knows how it works. Watch this message on the night. I'm here to give you a map that can cause for you to start the quest. When I first started building this message, if I be honest, I had a little anxiety like, God, how am I supposed to do this? How am I supposed to do this? And he just kind of softly reminded me, you are assigned to give the word and give them a map. It's not about the passionate preacher. It's about the passionate seeker. It's about those who become passionate and will seek out what is the God-given task that God has given me that which I'm supposed to be occupied with while I'm here. So God, I pray. I pray that this message will cause for people to get curious. I pray that this message would just be the lighter to spark the wick of their curiosity. And they'll take these principles, God, and they will begin to look at the map. And this is the X, okay, this is my gift. And this is the X, this is my strength. So that they can start the journey and pull out the shovel and dig and dig and dig. You said the kingdom of heaven is like a man who buys a field. And in that field, he finds a treasure. And he sells everything he has so that he can have that particular field. I pray that we'll rid ourselves of everything we have if that's what it takes for us to discover why you made me. Why am I here? Because purpose solves problems. Therefore, when I die, certain problems shall no longer exist because I've been occupied by my purpose. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.